0: Madtown's 93.1 Jams, Black History Month community and cultural awareness. I'm really excited today to sit down with Reverend Dr. Alex G. How you doing today?
1: You know what, man? I'm, I'm doing well. The, the, the weather is getting a little warmer, so I'm I'm starting to have um, a lot of hope on a lot of fronts, man.
0: <laughs> I know. that The spring, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for spring. The snow's cool, but the cold's not. Let's get to the warmth. Let's get Let's to the get sunshine. To Let's get to it, man. You're an incredibly busy person. You're a published author. You have two books. You're a pastor at the Fountain of Life Church. Mm-hmm. And you've also founded two amazing businesses, first of which I want to talk about being the Nehemiah Center for Urban Leadership mm-hmm. and Development. I knew nothing about this, and, and it's so amazing. I, I need you to, to break it down. What do you guys do?
1: Sure. Well, um, Nehemiah is almost 30 years old, man. So I um, it's it was created as um as as an Afrocentric social service organization because I grew up in this community. And so I noticed that between 1980 and 1990, the black community pretty much doubled. But the amount of teachers and social workers and lawyers and doctors did not keep up with that growth. And so we noticed that a disproportionate amount of African-Americans weren't getting culturally relevant social services. So they were going to juvenile jail, juvenile psychiatric hospitals. So we said, what if we develop programs using black social workers and counselors to empower people, not just hold hands and give out bus tickets. Those things are needed, nothing against it.
0: But, but there's more it, needed.
1: Right. But I grew up being on welfare. My mom was going through divorce. You know, She moved us here to Madison, went to college, went to grad school, paid for my college and turned things around for our family in just one generation. So I wanted to serve out of my own experience. And what helped us come out of it was high expectations and not just being coddled. So Nehemiah was created to do that, so in the early days we did um, mentoring, tutoring, case management, summer leadership programs. What happened is about ten minutes, ten years into it, many of our former clients became employees because they overcame the things that they were working on, and then they became somewhat experts in their fields. And so, if you want to talk to someone about alcoholism. Someone who's kicked that habit is the best person to talk about it and et cetera. So we started hiring people. They were first volunteers and hiring people. So then Nehemiah became a leadership development organization. So it went from really serving clients to developing leaders. And so like my reentry program, it's one of the things we do. We work with men and women coming out of prison. It's staffed by two men who spent time in Wisconsin's prisons and they are excellent. They used to be in my support group. I used to lead a support group for um, formerly incarcerated guys. They now work for me full time but they are so much better at talking to those guys than I am. So, so our work is really about empowering the Black community.
0: And I, I think that really, I mean, it's kind of deep because someone who's taken that initiative to turn their life around, they've been at the bottom, truly, probably yes. with no help, with no community, with no family. And, and you've provided all of those things and shown them that there, there's hope. There, there is a way to be there.
1: Definitely. And, you know, when you get a record, man, felony, it's hard to work for social service and for corrections. So for us to be able to find people who've got the goods, I mean, if you're really trying to overcome something, do you want someone with a master's in social work, but doesn't know anyone in your plight, has no, no one in their family that's been through it? They only know it through textbooks and through rule books. Or do you want someone who understands when you're playing games, when you're serious, and they can actually walk you through success? So, man, the the, the track record of people who can who can. Um overcome their circumstances just grows enormously because the people leading it have been there and they understand it. And so I'm inspired by my by my staff and we do great work of just helping people grow into their own sense of leadership. And by leadership, we don't mean running businesses. We mean giving back to the community that you, I don't care how good you are at running a business. If you don't give back to the community in my book, you're not a leader. So we're training people how to give back and make this community great for everybody.
0: When you look at years of, of oppression and, and racism and inequalities, education and financial uh, independence, you know, is two of the biggest factors that are, are separating what needs to be together. So your cause is, is unifying both of those fronts and building a community sense.
1: Definitely. Because you know what, man, what I've sensed is if social services and their approach is just to coddle people like, oh, you need this, or oh, your, your father wasn't there. Oh, I mean, we need sympathy. We need people to listen Mm -hmm. to us. What I found is traditional social services is not about raising you up. It's about just keeping you out of trouble and making sure that you you know you're, you're you're you know you're peeing clean you know for your for your uas you're not getting in trouble. But it's not about who are you before you got in trouble. What were your dreams before you got addicted? What happened before you got into that trouble? So when we started talking to people like that, they'll say, "Man, no, no one's ever asked me that. No, no one ever asked me what I dreamed about. They just wanted to know what are you doing? Where are you working? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a place to stay?" So I'm I'm just doing what communities have done forever. We're just we're just doing it systematically
0: within a program. And I, I saw on your website, together, we build a stronger Madison for all. And, and That's true, that is it's, it's beautiful in itself. And I want to use that to lead into how can a, a young black boy, girl, man, woman listening to this, how can they find the Nehemiah Center if they're not familiar?
1: They can certainly go to, to our website and I'm sure you'll have a link or something on the podcast. You don't have to have referrals. You can just say, I need someone to talk to. You can just say, "Hey, I'm trying to find a job. I'm I, I, I've got some ideas. I want to I want to talk about a business. We, we've got folks who've been there, so they love reaching out to the community because it's 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 not an agency where you got to call and make an appointment two weeks out and then you have, to have have to have an intake process. No, we understand. Crap happens now. Crap hits the fan now. People need to talk to someone now. Um, it's a little trickier because we're doing so much virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, but but before that, you know, people could just walk into our office and ask to see someone. So they'd have to go through our website or, or call someone to get in touch with them. But it's a really, really accessible staff. Um, it's a diverse staff. And so we've got folks with PhDs and folks with you know, GEDs, and man, our staff meetings, our Zoom conferences are multi class, multicultural, multi ethnic. Cause you know, everyone's talking about we got to get the races together, but very few, very few people talk about how do you get folks with PhDs and folks with GEDs in the same room, laughing and talking, contributing, feeling like they're on the same plane, all having a say so. So we're crossing a lot of those lines and building and fostering a strong sense of community that helps everybody to thrive who's involved with us.
0: I like that. I honestly have to say, I've not really heard many people saying, I, I want to get those at the PhDs and the GEDs together. And, and that's where a lot of empowerment's going to come, especially for those with the GED and seeing those people are touchable, the, re- the real. Well,
1: well, if I can be honest, some of those folks have lived in ivory towers with the PhDs, PhD, so they know how to write papers, but sometimes they don't know how to navigate the community. So so what's really cool, what I really like, is I like the folks at the GED school in the PhDs. And so sometimes in our programs, you'll have someone, you'll have them in the room, and man, you don't know who's who. You don't know who's who because you got some folks who have just navigated in the community. And, and listen, if you're living as a drug dealer, like the folks on my staff who are former drug dealers, they didn't get caught because they were stupid. They got caught because they were set up. But my point was, they were good at what they did, which is why they stayed alive. So they know a lot about how to survive when the rest of us are ready to jump out of windows. They're like, well, hold on just a minute. Let's look at our options. Let's look at it this way. So it's it's really cool because they have leadership skills that have just been perverted. Folks who just used it for negative gain. They've been manipulated. But if you give them a chance, like there's this one gentleman, uh, I met him when he was a drug Drug dealer he just got pardoned by the governor. He's one of my vice presidents. But we have a house that the Department of Corrections contracts beds out of. So basically, it's almost like a halfway house, but it's not that. It's just temporary living. He came up to me one day and said, Hey, Doc, I've got an idea of how we can probably negotiate and work a better deal with the with Department of Corrections. I'm like, Well, it better be above board because I ain't going to prison. Right, said, right, right. I said, Rethink it, present it to me, and then present it to, to, to the Department of Corrections. He reconfigured it, helped some of the guys in that place find permanent housing. He reconfigured stuff, negotiated a six-figure deal with the Department of Corrections so that I could pay him full-time out of the money he generated. It's no big deal to him. That's how he made his living, thinking and being creative. In the nonprofit world, we're like, let me find a grant. Who do I talk to? I need a grant writer. He just went around and moved some beds around, rethought stuff. And man, he's been full-time with me ever since. And so I love seeing what we, those of us who think that we're enlightened because we've got the degrees and all of that stuff. I like how. There's so much about everyday mother wit, as my grandmother used to call it, just everyday common sense that we forget about. And and I'm learning a lot from his brother. He's learning a lot from me. But that's just a great example of how in other arenas they could be looked over. But in Nehemiah, we try to find out what's your strength? we know your game, but what's your real game? Like, like what are you really built to do and how can we help you do it?
0: And and he did just that. He established a, a really stable career using street smarts in, in a political aspect. Like I'm telling you, man, I, 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 it, it blew me away. It, plus I was leaving money
1: on the table and he wasn't because where he comes from, you don't have money. on the table. <laughs> yeah, no. I said, listen, man, make it a holy hustle. Cause I'm not going to make
0: yeah. it a holy hustle. <laughs> so currently You're developing another business that looks to be just as amazing, the Center for Black Excellence and Culture. Uh, Yes, sir. And I heard, and I might be wrong on this, but I heard you guys just were approved for your funding on this. Part of it, man, because we, we got $20
1: million to raise on this, but we got the first million. We got about a million and a half. And that came out of the idea of so many of my friends who I either met in college or who have moved here to Madison asked, man, where's where's the black community? Like where are the barbershops and where's the food and where do you, like, like where's the music and where are the brothers and the sisters, where do they hang out. We have this vast disparity in Madison, but I think communities that have larger black communities and cultural hubs, they don't have the. Same levels of disparities. Now, I know in larger cities like Chicago, they have cultural Jewish cultural centers. Mm-hmm. I got um, Korean buddies who who have Korean cultural centers where they recognize and celebrate their culture. In our community, it used to be the church, but that's not the place for everyone. I'm a pastor; I know that. So we realize we need a place where we can develop Black wealth. We need a place we can have Black performances, comedians, um, folks can perform and have plays, and Black-led businesses can can have their 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 um, banquets there. But we also need space where we can showcase the importance of, of of Black contributions to the state and to this nation and to the world. So the focus is not even African American for us; it really is African. Caribbean, Afro-Latino, and the North American Blacks, how we influence the world. Because if we don't tell our positive story, what's going to happen to young Black kids is what happened to me 50 years ago in second grade. I found out I was a slave. Now in Chicago, I was in all Black class. My teacher was Black. She's still my pen pal, man. It's been 51 years. She's 101 and still writes me. Oh, that's awesome. She told me I was going to be the first Black president in 1969. She told me I was going to be the first black president. Didn't think to tell me that I was a slave. We moved to Madison and I come home and my mom says, hey, baby, there's something wrong in your eyes. And she said, I asked her, mom, were we really slaves? And so that's where history begins for me. And how do you stay engaged in school when that's the thought and your friends are giggling and you don't know the difference. And so you just think that's what we came from. And then you start despising yourself and your culture and acting out. So the center gives us a way to teach real history, to teach it academically and personally and to embrace it. But having a center for creating black wealth, having black performances, you know, downtown during the demonstrations, they had people, you know, painting, you know, some of the boarded up buildings. Mm-hmm. We found out that we had a, over a hundred black artists. We didn't, in Madison. We didn't even know. So where do they go to showcase that? Where do they go to paint? And where do they go to turn that into a business? So we want to find a place to promote our arts, our culture, tell our history, the Black first, have a place to grow Black wealth, and then places for performances so we can come together and shake some of the stress for many of us who are the first and only Black people in our, in our workplaces. And we now know that that stress makes our bodies more prone for things like COVID-19 and dementia. So unless we find ways to shake that off, man, this is this is going to shorten our lives and so the center is beautiful it's about bringing us together we're about to kick into a campaign launch um starting in, around April we want to get the you know the 20 million raised by fall of 2022 we want to break ground in the fall of 2022 or spring of 2023 and uh, because we, you know, you we saw what's happening in this world. People now believe that we got issues. They didn't believe it before, but they're believing it. So this is the time to move and not just talk about problems. We can all quote back. We're mm-hmm. trying to bring solutions, and it's a place where non-African Americans can come and enjoy our culture.
0: The Center for Black Excellence and Culture. It's right in the title. It's also the purpose of why we're here. Exactly, exactly. because. Black Americans did a lot of things for this country and did not receive credit for it. Uh, and, and at the same time, we're not equal to others.
1: Right, not right.
0: at all. Definitely,
1: definitely. And I think we can work together to, to even the playing field or at least enhance the playing field. And what I'm really excited about is that we're doing, we're, we're having Black listening sessions. So we're talking to Black doctors, Black teachers, Black um, professors, Black principals, formerly incarcerated folks, Black people born in Madison. It's really great because so many of us, have not been in spaces where we've been able to talk about our agendas. Almost like it's bad, and I get we all need to get along, so everything becomes quickly multicultural. But what that says to Black people is, whenever we get close enough to doing something that promotes us, it's got to quickly become, become multicultural. And, and like, and we love the other groups, and we and we're for them. But I just feel like Black need people. It'd be for you too. We have paved the way for everybody. Let us have something that strengthens us, because right now this is said to be the worst state in the union to live in if you're black. So let us have a a stab at turning that around. And that makes this city more attractive to everyone. And back to the point, we're building a stronger Madison, Dane County, Wisconsin, for everybody to thrive in.
0: Where where will the uh, Center for Black Excellence and Culture be located? It'll be on West
1: Badger Road. It
0: used to be a car wash just
1: east of uh, of uh, Park Street on Badger. So just right across from the Madison, uh, Madison College campus, right next door to Burger King. So it's yep. going to be between our current church location and uh, between Burger King. And it's going to be on three and a half acres. It's going to be about a 50 to 60,000 square foot facility. We've got world-class consultants out of DC, the same firm that consulted on the Smithsonian Black History Museum. There are consultants on this. Uh, We've got great business leaders that are coming around this, great civic leaders. And um, man, I'm ready for some good news. You know, we can keep talking about what's not working, but come on, let's put our minds together. Let's just be people. Mm -hmm. Let's just build good together. Let's just do some good.
0: Absolutely. Dr. Alex Gee, I, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Uh, it's 93 and Jams Black History Month. We're doing community and cultural awareness. You have a podcast that I, I think is amazing and it's called Black Like Me. You've got over a hundred episodes, five seasons. Yes. I don't think there's a better way for people to come in and, and learn you and, and culture. You know, the...
1: In the intro, it says experience the world through the lens of one black man, one conversation, one rant, one story at a time. And so I just talk about my experiences with other African-American people, black people who are doing great things. And it's just to give us an insight into, into folks who are doing wonderful things, but in telling their story, what they nuance into it or just some of the hurdles that they have. So it's, so it's really positive, but it gives non-black people a chance to say, I never thought that that was a barrier. I, I never thought that Black people do that or or think that. So the bulk of our listeners are non-Black because they say it's one of the unintrusive ways that they can learn a lot about Black culture. And I feel like there's some place that they're not supposed to be. Um, It's listened to, we have listeners in every state of the union in uh, over a hundred countries, and we won Wisconsin's favorite podcast of the year um, last year. So I'm excited. Season five just launched yesterday and the theme is now what we think that everything is just magical because trump is gone and i'm like no, no if nasty move the roaches are still there we got some roaches and so um we got we have some work to do we can do it but let's not just think that it's all good now we all have to each take um some responsibility. And so it's on Spotify Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. People can Google it. It's I think it's on iHeartRadio. I would love for people to check it out. Black Like Me Podcast.
0: I think the easiest way to find it was on your personal website. Alexg.com, A L E X G E E.com. That's where I found it. And and I truly, uh Dr. alex I, I love that together we can build a stronger Madison for all. Yeah. yeah. I thank you for your time today. This has been really wonderful. You know
1: what? I've been in this community as a professional for the last 30, 35 years. I've never heard of a radio host, a podcast host who is non-Black. Taking a look at at someone doing black business and interviewing them each day of February and even moving into March. So, can I commend you? Thank you for doing that, for mainstreaming it, for bringing it into um, the attention of your listeners. That means a lot to me, and I'm very proud to be here. And you keep up your great work.
0: Thank you. And and I want to. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know we're not going to end this at the end of, of February. It, it's going to take me the first week of March to get all the interviews <laughs> sure, out. Sure, sure. We're going to continue this on. We're going to do. We're going to do a weekly podcast with a local black business owner sharing their story and a piece of black history for the rest of the year. And and then we're going to repeat this again next year. I'm going to find 28 more businesses we haven't talked to, maybe a couple that we have that Uh I want to bring back. And we're going to keep sharing history and we're going to keep sharing culture because black history is not just February. It's every day. It's not,
1: man. And you're right. And what I say is when we look back together, we can then look forward together. And this feels like something that helps us look forward together. So I'm really honored to have been invited. So thank you for for, uh, for inviting me.
0: I hope to have you back. And I really hope to, over the coming months, get to meet you face to face and learn more about the uh, Center for Black Excellence and Culture. I'd love that. I'd love that. 931 Jams, Black History Month, community and cultural awareness. Please check out our podcast, like it, subscribe, learn about Black-owned businesses, history and culture at madtownjams.com slash EHM for Black History Month.
1: Man, that's excellent. I, I really, really respect this. Thank you for doing this.